Hi, I'm Brandon Poe, founder of Poe Group Advisors. We are the premier accounting practice intermediary firm in the industry. You're listening to the Accountant's Flight Plan podcast, where we talk about stuff in the accounting world. Everyone, uh, welcome Ryan Lozanis to our podcast today. Ryan has recently um, been acquired his firm called Zen Accounting. And Ryan, welcome to our podcast. Thanks a lot for having me, Bren. Let me hear a little bit more about your background um, and how kind of how you got into starting a, a practice. Yeah, so um, I started my accounting career in a, a pretty small traditional CPA firm here in Montreal, Canada. And um, I always gravitated towards the more entrepreneurial firms. And I, I, I never uh, wanted to work at uh, the big four, for instance. I wanted to see the full life cycle of a small business. So uh, the firm I was at had about five people working in it. I obtained my CPA designation there. Um, was there for about five years, moved out of firm and went into industry uh, briefly um, working at a, in the uh, finance department of a medical company. That lasted a whole six months before I realized it was just not my kind of, not my kind of thing. Um, again, I always thought I was more on the entrepreneurial side of things, but I had my training in accounting. I loved uh, disruptive business models. I loved uh, innovative technology. But with my training in accounting, I decided to kind of marry those two together. And they started uh, an accounting firm in 2013 called Zen Accounting. Uh, it was a one-man show at the time. It was just myself, no clients, really had really starting from scratch. But uh, I did have a concept in mind um, to help accounting, uh, to, to help small business owners make accounting easier, more automated, and pain-free. I was a bit um, disillusioned with what I saw at some of the more traditional firms. I felt that it was really um, geared towards just pumping out files and tax returns. Uh, and I knew that I, I knew that accounting was a very painful process for most small business owners. So the idea was to really try and transform the experience using technology and a more modern mindset to just render that whole process pain-free for them. So it, it really involved trying to validate a model to a certain extent. Um, yeah. You know, when I started, the firm was online from day one, uh, meeting uh, clients on Skype, using cloud accounting software. In 2013, this this was really not the way business was done in accounting firms. And I was receiving a lot of pushback from a lot of CPAs out there. Um, but we connected very early on with the millennial market, and they really uh, liked these cloud tools and meeting accountants online and having things more accessible and more efficient and more automated. And th the firm really grew based on that. Uh, so we saw a lot of traction early on and grew the firm to uh, close to 15 people uh, before it was acquired. Uh, dealing with customers across Canada, basically, in a virtual and paperless environment. So that kind of gives you a sense of um, where I started my accounting career and uh, yeah. where I took it to. Yeah. And one thing I noticed on your website, it looks like you were a DJ in Montreal for a little while. I was. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, you know, I do like trying new things and I do like trying to see how, how far I could push things. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I again, I, I see DJing as 
related to technology because there's lots of cool technology out there to help yeah. uh, that DJs use uh, nowadays. So I really like the technology aspect of things. So every I think through through every step of my life, uh, I've 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 kept myself very close to technology, and being a DJ was just one aspect of that. Yeah. Well, I think it has served you well. I mean, you know, um, and just full disclosure here, Poker Group Advisors helped Ryan's um, with his acquisition. And, you know, one and, thing and, that... And you, and you guys are great, I have to say. So super helpful and, and really enjoyed uh, working with your team on that. Thank you. We really enjoyed working with you as well. And, you know, it was it was just a pretty incredible experience for us um, because your firm was unique in that in five years you grew it so rapidly and it was clearly scaling. You, st- you clearly had a, a model for, for scaling the firm that was being, that was very successful. And, you know, I read a little bit about your um, experience with that on your website at uh, futurefirm.co and um, wanted to just kind of touch on like what, that must've been a wild ride. That must've been a really incredible five years to go from zero to 15 people. I mean, that's, and, and with a brand new model, that must've been an exciting time. And so one of my questions was just, what were some of your biggest ahas as you were going through that five-year build? Um, that's a very good question. I mean, it was, and it is, uh, you know, a wild ride. Um, you know, I came into that not ever operating a business before, not ever managing a team, really not ever handling clients like from end to end on my own. Um, so that was a better education process than anything I've ever gone through in my life. Um, there was a lot of things. I think the biggest aha movement I had is that you don't have to follow the path that most accounting firm owners have typically done. There's a new path you could take now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the accounting firm model, for instance, has remained the same for the last 50 or so years. It has not changed. So when I was tinkering around with ideas, well, how do we, you know, meet clients only online, no in-person meetings. And how do we only use cloud accounting systems? And how do we build a, a scalable process where we can standardize the process across all customers to a certain extent? How do we eliminate timesheets in a firm and only implement a subscription model? So how do we implement all these new different concepts? Or how do we, um, you know, even, you know, um, manage a completely remote workforce that are, you know, operating in all different parts of the world? So these are all different concepts that were in my head that I thought made sense uh, for the market we were going after. And uh, as I mentioned, there was, uh, you know, as I mentioned to you earlier, there's there's some pushback we were getting from a lot of the more traditional CPAs saying that this model will never work. You have to have a billable hour. How could you measure efficiency? How you know? How do you know if you're going to be profitable, et cetera, et cetera? So I think the big aha moment was that there's a different path people can take. You don't have to look at the traditional firm model and follow that. And, and in fact, I think you're doing 
Um, that's, that's to your detriment nowadays with the way the market is shifting. So I think that was the biggest moment when we, I started picking up the first few clients and, and seeing that, wow, people really do want to work in a different way and customers are actually demanding that now. It's like, hey, this is actually going to work. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, so just um, kind of you mentioned some key concepts that were instrumental in helping you build this and um, where did the, I guess, where did the inspiration or the ideas come to kind of say, okay, I want to take these concepts, apply them to the accounting industry. Um, were you, you know, were you reading a lot about technology companies? Like what, what inspired you or did this just sort of, you know, did you kind of create this on your own? I, I think, I think it was a desire to create a, a pleasant accounting experience, not only for customers, but for employees alike. Yeah. When I look at the things that people hate about fir accounting firms, let's say if you're working in an accounting firm, you hate your timesheets, you hate your, you know, your, 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 hour, your, your budgets that you have to hit all the time. Like that drives people out of firm. Okay, so mm -hmm. how could we completely el eliminate that? What would that look like in a firm? And clients, they hate receiving surprise bills in the mail. You know, after the fact, they get a bill for two grand, five grand, whatever it is, and then there's a dispute, and then, you know, that's just not good for anybody. So how could we provide upfront fixed pricing to give visibility into this? Right. So it would, you know, that, that those are just some idea, uh, some concepts that revolve around providing a modern pleasant customer experience. So it's not so much as how do we provide a good service? How do we provide a good experience? The whole concept revolved around providing a good experience. Yeah. So that's, and, and I identified with the business owner and I knew the business owner was busy and the business owner doesn't want to drive to their accountant's office to sign paper. And, you know, I identified with the pain that the business owner was having and the pain yeah. that some of some employees have when working in accounting firms and how could we just, turn that on its head. So, so that's kind of where the inspiration came from. Yeah. Well, you just identified a lot of pain points, it sounds like, and then you're like, okay, how, and then you, and that created the questions and the questions often are the key thing, right? It's like having the right questions, especially in an early stage is more important than having the answers. So absolutely. But cool. the hard thing is when you don't go down that tried, tested, and true path, you're going to make mistakes. So there's a lot of mistakes made in the beginning, a lot of pricing mistakes. You know, we, you know, I think like our, our initial pricing on our website, we used to advertise pricing on our website and actually people would be able to sign up for packages directly on the website with their credit card. That was not a good idea uh, <laughs> because you get people signing up for the wrong things and our pricing was exceptionally low at the time. I had no idea how to price, so I had to learn the hard way. I yeah. had to read books and I had to learn on learn about pricing theory and all sorts of stuff like that. So when you're not going down that tried, tested, and true path, there's mistakes you have to make. So uh, I definitely went through that. Now, did you work a lot of hours trying to creating this model? Was it like a, was it like an all in, you know, all um, involved kind of part of your life for a while? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, I don't think I've, when you work about, when you hear about people working in firm, you hear about the crazy hours that people work and working until, you know, midnight, two in the morning and, uh, you know, nights and weekends during busy season and doing, you know, 80 hours a week, 100 hours a week, crazy hours. I actually never did that. Um, and I think that had to do a little bit with how um, 
the type of model that we had, but I actually never did those insane hours. Now, I don't work a 40-hour week either, um, so I, I'm, I'm constantly turned on. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of tinkering and there was, uh, it was definitely, um, you know, a lot of time spent in, in, in the initial year playing with technology, tinkering with apps, trying to smooth processes out. And, um, you know, there's a lot of validation that needed to be done in that first year and there's a lot of playing around. And actually that, that was, that was quite a bit of fun. It, it didn't yeah. feel like work. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I know when I got into, um, my business, the first three years, I would work a lot, but it didn't feel like I was working at all. I mean, it yeah, really yeah. was just a fun, it's probably, I think starting a business, if you're geared that way, is just a ton of fun. Yeah, I would agree with you. It's one big project, basically, and uh, it, it could be never ending. Yeah. Um, well, um, so my next question is like, okay, if um, knowing what you know now, <laughs> What advice would you give to somebody planning to start a practice from scratch? So I'm a bit biased because I firmly believe that we're in a different generation now. Um, people do things online for the most part. Um, and you don't have to run a firm like the way it's been run for the last, you know, 40, 50 years. So, you know, maybe... And the the firm that I created might not be a good fit for all firm owners out there, but there could be a hybrid approach. So I think it's a good idea to educate yourself before you get started about the types of different models out there. The types, like, you have to have a concept in mind. What do you want to achieve for your customers? Is it, usually people don't want to just provide tax returns. There's there's a larger picture out there that, that people want to achieve. For me, it was about, um, you know, creating an easy, automated, and pain-free experience for small business owners. That that was my purpose and that became the purpose of the firm. So you have to have a purpose. You have to have, like if it's just about creating tax returns, are you gonna create something special? I'm not so sure about that. So I think you have to have a purpose. I think you have to understand what that purpose is before you get into you know starting your firm, model your firm around that, understand the different ways on how you could run your firm because in 2019, you know, you don't have to do the billable hour. You don't have to have timesheets. You don't have to, you know, drive around town to, to, to meet clients. There's, there's a lot of different ways to do business now. Uh, so it's about understanding what's out there uh, and, and understanding your purpose and kind of linking that all together. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, because you, you know, when you were talking about earlier in our conversation about the purpose and it sounds like that really drove pretty much all your decisions stem from that, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And I'd say, you know, um, if you, if you, you know, it, it, it helped me make certain decisions and sometimes it wasn't always easy, but if I always tied it back to the purpose, um, it made sense. So, uh, having that purpose did really help. Yeah, that's great. Um, and you, you talked about the, I guess the, reluctance of most accountants to switch and accounting has been done pretty much the same way in the last 40 or 50 years. Why do you think the profession as a whole has been so change resistant? So there's definitely a lot of resistance to change. Um, accountants are conservative by nature. Um, 
you know, so I think that has a lot to do with it. If you look at some established firms, you know, they've been doing very well uh, over the years. Mm -hmm. So completely upending that aspect of things. Like if you went into a firm that's been operating for the last 20 years and said, okay, we're going to, we're going to get rid of your timesheets. Uh, I think people would maybe go ballistic. Uh, so there's a way to introduce some of these concepts. Um, but I, I think it has to do with business has gone well for the, for, for, for many years. Um, and it's entrenched in the, the culture of many of these firms mm -hmm. and, uh, and change is, is not easy. Uh, I, I had the luxury of being able to build something from the ground up, yeah. but you know, if I've been doing something for the last 20 years and it's been doing well, why would I want to completely upend that way of doing things? Right. I do think though that you're seeing, you were at the beginning of seeing some of this start to be eroded some of the some of the customer base is starting to be eroded because there's a lot of online players that are coming out now and a lot of the young firms coming out now they're taking business from a lot of these more established firms so i think there has to be some sort of innovation strategy out there to to to, to help move some of these more traditional firms forward so in other words they're going to have to clients are going to have to sort of demonstrate that there's a strong demand for for change and maybe staff as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I hear staff staffing problems is probably one of the biggest, I guess, um, challenges a lot of firms face. I hear that all the time. And yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, they say recruitment and retention is the number one issue facing accounting firms. And uh, I think that's just going to get even more challenging as you know, p people don't stay in a job now for, you know, five, 10 years. Um, if you get a couple years from, you know, some of the younger generation, that's considered pretty good nowadays, you know? So um, how do you attract these type of candidates? How do you retain them? Um, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with catering, your, catering, catering yourself to the millennial market and kind of uh, shifting the way that you've, uh, you've managed your workforce. So, um, you know, we're getting, we're getting people joining us from, from traditional firms because they hate their timesheet. You know, that, that could, be, it could be a reason as simple as that. Or they want more flexibility. They want more autonomy. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of these kind of concepts that, that, uh, that are floating around that, um, that are driving people out of firms. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see it. I see it, you know, on a regular basis. And I think you're right. I think the um, established firms... Um, they're going to have more and more pressure, both from clients and staff, to to make some changes. Um, so, if you were, you know, if you were to uh, talk with a more established firm, and they wanted to begin a a modernization project, like what's you know, where's the starting point? If you if you have a traditional firm, where do you start if you want to uh, start making some changes? So that's a very good question. I think it's really dependent on each individual firm. I don't know if there's a, a step, uh, like it's not the same step one for every firm out there, but I think it's probably doing an analysis of the current operations, seeing where they are on the innovation side of things. Do they have someone leading innovation at the firm, for instance? Um, what are some of the major challenges the firm has been facing. For instance, if retention and recruitment is a major challenge and, and bringing millennials on board is a major challenge, it's about analyzing why that's challenging and starting to imp slowly implement some of the concepts that are 
um, that we're seeing some of the more successful firms um, implementing. So, um, so I don't think there's really a, a step, the yeah. same step one for each firm out there. Uh, some some firms might want to implement, you know, automated bookkeeping services, for instance, and cloud accounting services. So, yeah. where are they on that spectrum of things? Have they even selected the software they're going to be using? Have they? Are there people on the team? that can champion that aspect of things because you, you need someone that's going to be able to champion and lead that aspect of things. So um, it's not the same step one for all firms, but there's certainly, you know, if you look at uh, HR, if you look at uh, service uh, services uh, being offered, if you look at uh, service delivery, um, you know, if there's a, there's a bunch of different components that could be looked at. Yeah. It's sort of like starting out with a, a SWOT analysis, you know, strengths, weaknesses, Yep. Um, opportunities. Um, I can't remember what the T stands for. <laughs> Threat. Threats. Threats. Yeah. Threats. Pain points. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, all right. So let's kind of talk about something that's been pretty interesting to me. And this is, it's not brand new, but um, I actually saw a blockchain presentation um, last spring and you know, blockchain has been, I guess it was created around 2009. So we're about 10 years into, um, 10 years into that technology. Um, the speaker that I saw, uh, mentioned that, you know, you might have a 20 year window for it to really become a more mature technology adopted, widely adopted. But, um, you, you've been studying blockchain and, um, I'd love to get your thoughts about where you think that could impact the accounting profession. So I, I, I got into cryptocurrency and uh, blockchain um, back in 2013 because our customer base were in the tech space. And when I was going out to a lot of networking meetings, I was exposed to it there. Um, and uh, you know, I ended up putting out a press release very early on saying that uh, Zen Accounting was the first firm in North America to publicly accept Bitcoin as payment. And that got a lot of uh, a little bit of press and brought in some Bitcoin and blockchain businesses. And uh, from there, I started learning more and more and more. And the more I learned about it, uh, the more interested I became in the technology, being someone that loves disruptive technologies. So um, at the end of the day, I saw the parallels between blockchain as a technology and what accountants do on a day-to-day -day basis because blockchain is just a ledger and the beauty of this ledger is that anything that's recorded onto it is done automatically and is is verified as a 100% true and accurate transaction. So I saw parallels between what the blockchain can do and what bookkeepers do mm -hmm. because bookkeepers are recording things on a ledger on a day-to-day -day basis but blockchain could do this automatically. And I also saw parallels between what auditors do because blockchain not only records transactions, but it um, confirms and validates those transactions automatically. So that's basically, if you boil it down, that's kind of the basics of auditing. You're validating and verifying, you know, transactions on a ledger. Um, you know, I'm oversimplifying things here, but, um, but, I saw I saw those parallels and I started writing a little bit about it. I, re I write a few blog po posts about it on my uh, 
on my website, futurefirm.co. I've done a few presentations on this uh, as well, and um, I'm just incredibly interested to see where it's gonna where it's gonna head. I think we're in the very early days. You yeah. know, firms are exploring this at the moment. I have no doubt that um, they'll be implementing this in more of a production uh, uh, production uh, mode in the uh, nearish term, let's say. I don't think we're, we're 20 years out, but uh, certainly less than 10 years, I'd say, we're gonna start to see some impacts here. So it's good for professionals to understand this technology and to start exploring how it might be applicable to their firm. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, I, I agree with you that those parallels and you know, it's essentially, uh, it's trust. I mean, you, you need yep. to trust your numbers and there's tremendous inherent trust built into a, a solid system, which, um, you know, I, I think most of these systems are, from what I know about blockchain, I know there have been some yeah. compromises, but it seems like a pretty, uh, you know, some of these technologies are pretty um, hard to, um, you know, hard to fool. Yeah. So, so it, it basically... It's the elimination. Uh, you trust the technology rather than a third party. Essentially, the, the right. technology is open source. It's been audited over and over again by the, you know, cryptocurrency and blockchain community. It's it, it's a brilliant piece of technology, and it works wonderfully. Yeah. And if you look what, you know, if you look at like for instance like the Enron scandals and stuff like that, you know. The public tr put their trust in the auditors um, because the auditors issued their audit opinion and the public put their trust in, 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 in that third party. And what blockchain is, is proposing is, well, we could, we could eliminate that third party trust. So I think you're going to start to see that encroach on what auditors do. It's not going to completely replace auditors, but I think it's going to start to encroach on some of their duties as the technology matures. Yeah. Might take some of the more, you know, more tedious aspects of auditing away. I mean, that would be kind of how I see things. Event, you know, how this probably starts is like it starts with the easy stuff and kind of yep. makes life easier for auditors. Um, yeah, I would agree with you. So, um, well, my next topic. So, there's so much out there now. Like, it's it's pretty amazing how how much, how accessible and how high quality and just a variety of knowledge that's available um, to people. Um, so I'd love to get a book recommendations, a book recommendation from, from you. If you were to recommend one book, what would that be? Um, so I do have a few suggestions there, but the one that really um, transformed my mindset and the one I always recommend um, is a book by Ron Baker uh, called Implementing Value Pricing. And um, that really got my mindset away from tying my value uh, to a bill to an hourly to build the billable hour and understanding how your clients perceive value and therefore how you could price things in a different manner. Yeah. So it's really a methodology for how you can implement value pricing. Uh, some, some may call it fixed pricing, but there's a bit of a difference between the two. But essentially, it's a very hard, it's very, it's actually very difficult to 
price things on a fixed price basis. And a lot of people struggle with this, and I struggled with this for a long time. And like I said earlier, on, uh, you know, in this discussion, um, you know, I made a lot of pricing mistakes, and I wish I would have actually stumbled upon this book a little bit earlier. So yeah. this really kind of discusses the concepts of value pricing, why it makes more sense rather than a billable hour, and how you can implement it. So that that's a great book to uh, to go and pick up. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm familiar with Ron's work, and it's, um, you know, for a lot of people, if you if you've been billing by the hour for a long time, it's a it's a real puzzling concept to kind of turn that completely inside out and look at it from another angle. And I think Ron does a great job of helping people do just that. Yeah, have you seen him at any uh, any conferences or? No, I've never met him. I've had conversations with him, and. Um, you know, I've read a lot of the of what he's written, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much perfectly aligned with his philosophy on pricing. I, I don't, I couldn't agree more. He's he's great to go. I've I've seen him like at a few speaking events, and uh, he's 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 the most passionate person I know out there about ripping up your timesheet. So it's a yeah. pretty pretty interesting thing to be passionate about. But uh, it was quite it's a uh, it's it's quite something to see him speak. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, well, and I know one of the things that you, you mentioned again on your website is you love to travel. I love to travel. Um, you have any exciting things coming up or any, uh, great recent travel experience experiences you could share? Um, nothing much that that's on the horizon, actually. I'm probably due for something shortly, but, um, I head to Southeast Asia, um, every, every so often. My wife, uh, my wife is from Indonesia and her whole family is there. So we're in Indonesia, you know, every, every, uh, two years at least. And, uh, I like, I, I love the country. It's a, there's a lot of really great spots there. Uh, I like more remote travel. So, um, you know that's a great place for that, and just being off the grid. I love, I love disconnecting because we're bombarded by emails and and things like that all day. So I love just being in a place where there's no cell, no no cell phone reception for, yep. you know, two weeks or a couple of weeks or something like that. So, um, you know, I I love heading there. Uh, yeah. Anything on your end? Um, no, but I can definitely speak to unplugging. Um, I love to travel, and the first time I ever experienced unplugging was by accident. And we, I took my family on a ski trip and we yeah. went to this really small town. It was, there was nothing there but skiing. There were a couple of restaurants and, and there was no cell phone reception. They probably have cell phone reception there now, but, <laughs> um, so I couldn't work and we had planned on, you know, being there for a whole week and it was just, it was like, wow, this is amazing. And you come back and you know, the office is still there and <laughs> everything. Still there, but still... you got a couple hundred emails to go through. Yeah, you have all. some emails to go through, but you know, it's totally worth it. So, yeah. um, yeah, I love to travel and my wife and I, we're, um, empty nesters as of last, I guess year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we're traveling a little bit, a little bit more and, once this, once our kids are out of school, we plan to travel quite a bit more. So nice. Um, yeah, great. Well, Ryan, it's been really amazing to speak with you today. Um, thank you for being so generous and willing to share your experience with us. And, um, so I would like to finish off just, if you would tell our listeners how they can connect with you. 
Yeah, so um, I'd encourage uh, uh, anyone out there that's interested in uh, learning a little bit more about, you know, how to modernize a firm. I talk a little, I'm very passionate about that. That's one of the reasons why I started my firm in the first place. Uh, so uh, I have a website up called uh, Future Firm. So if you go to www.futurefirm.co, uh, there's a contact page there and I have uh, a few blog posts I talk about uh, different uh, things that affect the future of uh, of accounting firms and um, have a weekly newsletter as well that people could follow where I um, give a quick digest of the top five things uh, on the internet uh, affecting of, uh, the future of uh, people's accounting firms. So uh, feel free to check me out at futurefirm.co. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it, Brandon. Thanks a lot. All right. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Accountant's Flight Plan Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please follow us so that you can get updates when new episodes are released and share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. You can also follow Poe Group Advisors on social media. Please visit our website for more information at pogroupadvisors.com. <laughs>